2: Ultimately, we go into day two of the Davis Cup by BNP Paribas final, exactly where we expected to be, with the teams tied at one rubber apiece. But blimey, things didn't exactly unfold as we thought they would. Kyle Edmund, in his Davis Cup debut, powered to a two-set lead before David Goffin turned it around to win in five. And then Andy Murray levelled things up with a straight sets win, but not before receiving a point penalty from umpire Pascal Maria. Hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph, Supported by BNP Paribas, the bank for a changing world, and my name is David Law. And joining me today on the tennis podcast, two very special guests, two people I don't think we've ever had on the tennis podcast before. Mr. Colin
1: Fleming, how are you, sir? I'm, I'm quite nervous actually about my debut here on the, the tennis podcast. You know, it's a prestigious uh, channel to be to be airing my views on. I did tell him to say that earlier,
2: and he has paid me handsomely. And also, Simon Reid of Eurosport both of you from Eurosport but Simon I have to say you're a bit of a hero of mine I've been watching you on the telly for years how you doing? I'm doing fine. It's a privilege to be part of this. Now, uh, just to uh, qualify that, Colin, when I say Simon's a bit of a hero of mine, do you know when I first saw Simon Reed broadcasting was basketball in the UK on Channel 4? How long ago is that, Simon, am I allowed to ask?
3: It was back in the 80s. That's when basketball was really thriving in the UK. And, and since I joined it, it's gone downhill ever since. <laughs> I hope I don't do the same for tennis.
2: I don't believe a word of it. Colin, day one, then, it's, uh, as I said in the intro there, it's been what we expected in terms of the the ultimate scoreline but Kyle Edmund coming out having never played a Davis Cup rubber before to perform like that for a couple of sets that really was something
1: it was incredible really i'd have to sort of say out of the four guys it was it was almost performance of the day i thought Ruben Bemelmans played very well against Andy in terms of obviously highest level you would say maybe goffan at times and Andy at times really hit the heights but in terms of coming out on your debut and producing that i thought it was i thought it was Fantastic from Kyle, to be honest, and I know he, he went away quite quickly in the, you know the third, fourth, and fifth sets, and, and he, he looked really disappointed with that, but no one would have expected that level of tennis that he, he produced this time. He looked so composed, so confident he got over a tricky first game. I think if he'd lost that, it could have been a completely different story that first you know could have been a straight setter from there, got through that tough first game and, and all credit to him for the way he played. and I, th- I hope he can take a lot from it and, and not be too down about the loss, but actually look at the fact that when he plays his best level. He's right up there, you know. David Goffin, sixteen, the world, and he was blowing him away on clay. So it's exciting for Carl.
2: He didn't seem, Simon, to have any problems with nerves out there, which I think was a question mark for one or two of us.
3: Exactly. I thought he was brilliantly prepared. He came out there and really took it to him straight away used his strength big serve, big forehand, even the backhand which I was told was you know quite a weakness I haven't seen a lot of Kyle look very strong I think it shows for the future that you know he's definitely going to be a top 50 player to be able to hit the big occasion like that come out running as he did I thought it was terrific
2: given all of that the fact is though he did end up losing in five sets was there a moment in your coverage of the match where you thought here we go actually this is changing now
3: well, there were two moments really. Uh, it started at the start of the third set, where I just think he took his foot off the accelerator, and he was he was straight in, wasn't he, Goffin? After that, and then in the fourth set when he just looked as if he was starting to fatigue and indeed he, he, he agreed with that afterwards I think, I think that was a bit worrying the fact that he fatigued so badly but of course the tension multiplies all that fatigue so it's understandable but it, yes it was disappointing
2: Have you seen that in your experience on Davis Cup teams Colin when players come in that they behave or the effects are different from what it would be if that had been a sort of five set match at a, at a slam for instance in the first round do you think it could be different is the occasion part of that?
1: No doubt about it. I mean, speaking from my own experience of playing doubles at Davis Cup, you, it takes a lot more out of you. You know, you play five-set doubles at, at Wimbledon. It was obviously a huge event, a Slam. But you, you, you're in that for for yourself and your partner, and and the, it's not the same atmosphere. It's not the same crowd expectation and everything. And when you're out there, at Davis Cup, and you you start to feel a little bit tired or whatever, you think to yourself, I can't let this happen. You know, the whole nation's hopes are on my shoulders. I can't just wilt here physically. You know what I mean? So that makes it even worse. And you're almost focusing on that rather. Than focusing on, on what you need to do on the court, and you know you, you put that up against David Goff and a 16 in the world, and, and it's really it got away from him pretty quickly. Which you know it's disappointing for Kyle and something you need to look at in his career because with the level of tennis he showed, he should have aspirations of of doing some damage in, in five set matches in the Slams, in Davis Cup, and he's going to have to look at that and say, okay. You know how can I how can I get better at that? Maybe he needs to rein it in a little bit with his game as well. You know, it is very much like knockout punch after knockout punch after knockout punch, and and that takes a lot out of you as well. You know, you to to be throwing that full power so often. You know, he goes for the big flat serve. You see Andy Murray when he's playing, he uses a bit of spin. He's a bit more cultured if you like about the way he goes about exposing his opponent's weaknesses. That's never gonna be Kyle's game, but maybe Kyle can learn from that a little bit, energy conservation across a five setter and just staying emotionally calm, but that's why today was such a great experience for him. Is it I think it'll be a huge three hours as his career goes on, what he'll take from that three hours today.
2: Yeah, that's the big question mark, isn't it? Because over the years if we look at Davis Cup appearances It's made certain players, Simon. It's ruined others. I I always think of a lovely guy in Paul-Henri Mathieu who was thrown in at the deep end in 2002 in the final and he ended up playing the deciding rubber, was two sets to love up, ended up losing in five. And and I've always wondered, you know, would his career maybe have been different? Maybe it wouldn't, but maybe it would.
3: Yes, I think it set the tone for the rest of his career. And maybe, from what I gather, talking to Mats Villando, who coached him for a while, he's too nice a guy will Henri Mature to really crack it at the highest level? I don't know, that may be being a little unfair, but that's the way I took it, and I don't think that helped. Yeah, Just talking to Henri, who's been part of our team, he beat Sampras in the Davis Cup when, when Sampras was already in the top five in the world, and that was the making of Henri's career. He went on to Grand Slam finals, winning Grand Slam doubles. You know, it's extraordinary how
2: it can work both ways. And equally, we've seen what Davis Cup did for Novak Djokovic if you remember he obviously he'd had fabulous periods in his career but when they won the Davis Cup it seemed to propel him further
1: absolutely yeah I think it was the sort of skinhead that he gave himself afterwards I think if they (laughs) if they get the win this weekend maybe Kyle should just shave his head and that'll be him world number one in a few years but um, no it can be the making or breaking of of a player you're absolutely right and um, yeah I'm hopeful and I'm pretty confident that Kyle will use today positively as he goes on his career. He might get the chance to play again on Sunday. Maybe James Ward will come in, but I think either way um Kyle's proven what what, what he can do out in the court and, and he'll go away and, and work on some things and, and come back a better player for it.
2: What about david Goffin, simon because looking at his facial expressions in those first two sets he looked really stressed out rattled and 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 the facial expressions were tense and then as the score started to turn you could see him visibly relax he's a he's a cracking player to watch isn't he and and it was a good turnaround for him. he'd never come back from two sets to love down before to win a match no,
3: I, I spoke to him afterwards and he he was affected by the occasion. All the, the visualisation you can do in the world doesn't prepare you for that kind of thing. And, of course, all the pressure was on him. It won't be on him when he plays Andy. He's expected to lose that. He was expected to win this know, the, the hopes of a nation were riding on him. And this, just when Carl let him back in in that third set, it suddenly changed, didn't it? And, uh, and from then on, yeah, by the fifth set, he looked what he is, a, a cracking player.
2: Now, Colin... From there, we went into Andy Murray's match, and again, score-wise, it's probably pretty much what we expected, but my word, it was a, it was a bit of an eventful third set, wasn't it? He won the first two sets, 6-3, 6-2, handly, some nice drop shots thrown in by Belmonds, who, incidentally, you may be just able to hear in the distance doing his press conference in Belgium, uh, in Flemish, and I'm not able to translate that for you, so I'll just keep talking. Uh, but, Colin, he... In the end, Andy Murray got over the finish line, but that third set was tasty, wasn't it?
1: Well, absolutely. You know, it's a bit of drama, as we always get from Andy Murray matches, and Ben with the set point and Andy with the point penalty, and it was all going off at one point, but I think um, Ben all credit to him, I thought he played a really good match. You know, going into it, I thought... He's a kind of all-court player. He's got good hand skills, but he doesn't have a huge weapon. I, I couldn't see how he was, he was going to trouble Andy, but really he did, he did trouble him with his sort of court craft. His drop shots were really annoying him. He was coming in, played some nice volleys, served effectively, you know, he wouldn't be known for having a, a massive serve, but he, he troubled Andy with his serve as well. And, you know, Andy had to, had to up it at the end, and, and he's so good at doing that, isn't he? He's played so many of these big matches that he just, he, he channeled this sort of Belgian crowd. He channeled the point penalty. Almost it, seems
2: to help him in a way, the, the aggro seems to no, energize
1: him. It focuses him, it energizes him, it inspires him, it annoys him to the level where he starts to play better. So, you know, he's almost uh, he's almost the best in the world at doing that, isn't he? When he, when he's up against it, his back's against the wall, he comes out comes out swinging. So, uh, you know, it maybe played him into a bit of a rhythm. But I think Andy, will, he'll want to play better as the weekend uh, progresses. Obviously, the doubles are a completely different kettle of fish. It's hard to talk about form going to that. But going to the singles on Sunday, he'll, he'll look to play better because I think if he gives... Goffan that many chances to dictate the play then, then he's going to get hurt a lot more than he did today so he but he'll know that I mean he's played Goffin before he knows he needs to to up it a little bit and, and he's well capable of doing it.
2: The crowd did seem to get a little under his skin Simon it really was noisy out there wasn't it because this is kind of a metal box the sound stays in doesn't it 13,000 isn't the biggest crowd we've ever seen it's certainly not the biggest he's played in front of but it's one of the loudest and Well, he he let his emotions get away with him a couple of times. Yes, he did, but he never let it affect
3: his tennis. And, I, you know, like, like Conin said, I think, honestly, I think he thrives on it. He loves boxing, doesn't he? And it became like a, a gladiatorial, like a boxing, you know, heavyweight championship fight. And he just loves it. And didn't he respond? As you say, that third set was fantastic fun. And credit to Bemelmans, because he stayed with him for most of it, playing some, you know, gorgeous shot making. He wasn't a- affected at all in an adverse way. I thought it was a great third set.
2: No, great theatre and a great occasion. And it's very, very nicely portrayed is now at one rubber apiece which is the position Colin we've been in so many times in ties that you will have played in as well I remember the the Croatia away one uh, when Dan Evans was playing singles as well and and it went in at one all what is it like for the doubles players the next day I mean I I remember in in a couple of the the matches I've seen you play you were almost a standout player for for two or three sets and then it seemed to get to you the occasion a little bit you
1: tightened a little bit explain what it's like um, it's nerve wracking. It's nerve wracking. You know that you know all hopes now rest on you, um, well you and your, and your partner on the day. Um, but it's also so exciting as well. You know, even if I've played matches where the team's two nil down, but you're still so fired up. You would never, you know, give up on a Davis Cup match, and or even if you're two love up, you've got the chance to, to clinch it for, you, for your team. So at one all, you know it's finally poised. But you know, you, you've just got to go out there and try and focus on, on playing your game and. And and Andy and Jamie, you know, there's so much experience from from matches this year. They know how to use the crowd. They know how to get fired up. They know how to, you know, influence the opponents. And and, and they're such a good team now. I'm expecting them to to really be, you know, sort of on fire tomorrow, especially Andy's got a match under his belt now. And Jamie's been so confident this year and so dependable in terms of his level. Uh, I've hardly seen him play a bad match, Jamie, you know, and he used to be quite kind of. The way he plays doubles he used to be a little bit up and down, but now he just seems to he 's so confident in his return of serve, and you know his volleys are I think maybe the best in the world as singles or doubles player. I mean his volleys are incredible this year um, so i'm expecting the boys to play very well and but as we saw against Italy last year that doesn't necessarily even if they win it doesn't necessarily mean the job's done. you know golf fans a talented player on clay, and that'll be a tough match against andy and it's you know two v two who knows what's going to happen the rest of this tie it's beautifully poised and, and a lot of good tennis to come.
2: The doubles lineup for Belgium is Kimmer Kopinyans, the younger Belgian player, alongside Steve Darcy, who I think many of us thought may play the, the first singles. They decided not to do that. What do you think they'll end up going with, Simon, tomorrow? Do you think they'll stick with that? Because they can change up to an hour before, can't they? It's,
3: it's tricky, isn't it? We've been here before. There's so much rumour and misinformation that goes around. Intrigue, I, we love it. Intrigue. I spoke to, to Gauphin after his singles match, and he was basically telling me he was playing doubles he wanted to play doubles, he thought he would be playing in the doubles and I think if he does play, he'll play alongside Steve Darcy whether that's the case, I don't know, and maybe it's deliberate misinformation because I love a gossip, I don't know, (laughs) but um, whatever it is I like Colin, I I still think the Murray boys will get it
2: done So don't blame Simon Reid if it's not David Goffin, it was Simon Reid who said that everybody, Colin, um, what do you think will happen tomorrow in terms of the scoreline in that doubles match?
1: Well, I think it's, it's completely open to who the Belgians are going to play. I'm not I'm not really sure what their lineup might be. I, I would half expect it to be Darcy and, and Bemelmans. I thought Bemelmans will take a lot of confidence from his performance today, and and I would be tempted to throw him in. Um, but if Goffin is your number one player, if a guy like that, 16 in the world, steps up and says I want to play this doubles, it's tough to not listen to that. So it's it's very intriguing, but to be honest i think regardless of their team and i don't want to sort of jinx it in any way but i think regardless of the belgian team andy and jamie are, are strong favorites and i think if they play well they're going to win regardless of the belgian team i hope i'm right
2: we're, we're all keeping our voices down just a little bit here because the belgian team have just come around the the corner and they're doing the tv interviews right next to us and they're going to hear us talking about them but simon reed uh, we'll just ignore that fact and predict the scoreline what do you think's going to happen over the next two days
3: I expect, as I thought at the start, that it will come down to the doubles. I expect us to win the doubles maybe four sets. It might be three, but I expect us to win that, and I do expect Andy to, to wrap it up in the first of the reverse singles. I'm, I'm pretty confident.
2: You've been covering tennis for a long time, Simon. Don't want to say how long. Quite a long time. Um, a lot of people would say too long. <laughs> did you ever think you would see this? No, no. And, you know, it's, it, it may well be a
3: one-off. I know Andy's committing himself. He's going to play in the match against Japan. But after that, is he going to play? I'm deeply suspicious. It's not going to be top of his priorities. So this is the year. It's a year without Federer, without Djokovic, without Rafa. This is the year. We have to
2: get it done this year. <laughs> I think we will. Just a couple of final questions while I've got you here, Simon, because I'm going to take my chance. Uh, Simon, in terms of other Davis Cup matches you've seen or finals, what stands out atmosphere-wise of, of, of ones you've been at?
3: Well, last year's I thought was, was terrific. Um, I think the, uh, the French made a big mistake getting the Swiss so prominent court side, but it actually made for an atmosphere. Uh, incidentally, I think they made a bit of a mistake here. The Belgians getting the Brits in prime position, right behind the team and opposite the team. <laughs> and it really does you know, add to the atmosphere. So thank you for that. But I think it might be a bit of a
2: mistake. Yeah, and in terms of matches that you've seen in the Davis Cup, in terms of ties overall, are, are there any particular ones that, or occasions? Because the emotion is like nothing else, is it? I mean, the Grand Slams are wonderful, but when you see team competition at this level, especially for a nation it's it's really quite moving actually it is and obviously first impressions are very strong and the key
3: matches that stand out for me I'm afraid I'm getting back in time now back into the 80s one Pat Cash coming from two sets down I think it was against Michael Penforce in the deciding match in Melbourne and then the Swedes beating the Americans McEnroe and Connors beating them in Gothenburg they were fantastic they were standout matches for me I will never forget them
2: no. Oh, it's uh, great to have you with us here on the Tennis Podcast Simon brought to you in association with the Telegraph we don't have Simon Briggs with us today because he is up against deadlines and I would be uh, in big trouble if I tried to get him on the show today but do go to the Telegraph website, read the sports section, read all of Simon and Paul Hayward's articles over the next uh, couple of days, they're well worth reading what have you got on Eurosport tomorrow Simon, when do you start your coverage? We start, I think it's two o'clock something like that maybe
3: earlier our coverage um we start well before the bbc that's for sure um i'll have to check exactly what time it is but i think something like half past one
2: and uh, in terms of the the action it's it's every ball isn't it and i mean you know uh, people are hanging on what happens nobody moves from their seats
3: nobody moves from their seats and nobody will move from their sofas none of this red button stuff for us we're on the channel
2: And just uh, seeing as I work for BBC Radio 5 Live, I'll tell you that we'll be covering it in depth, ball by ball, on 5 Live and on BBC Television and online as well. But Eurosports have kindly given us two of their very best pundits and commentators to talk to us here on the Tennis Podcast. Colin, it's been an absolute pleasure having you with us. Uh, When are we going to get that return game of pool after I beat you last time?
1: i'm ready whenever david to be honest I'm, I'm very confident going into that matchup. but uh no thanks for having me on here and uh, hope hope to be on again sometime
2: absolutely listen everybody thank you for listening to us here on the tennis podcast we will be back tomorrow we are produced in association with the telegraph we are supported by bnp Paribas, the bank for a changing world and we'll be back tomorrow